0: Today's guest is a passionate, driven leader with a no-nonsense approach. He has a laser-like focus on providing strategic and tactical solutions. He's a results-driven global hospitality executive with extensive operational and development experience. He is the executive vice president of, of franchise and development, ladies and gentlemen. Keith Pierce. Welcome, Keith. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Pleasure. It's been so Pleasure to be uh, good here. to get to know you. I know we first met at the lodging conference. Yeah. Um, we had a glass of wine in the lobby of the Marriott Desert Ridge, and you were just telling me the story of the incredible growth yeah. of Sinesta from 50 hotels before the pandemic to 1,200 hotels now. Yeah, or plus or minus twelve hundred. Yep, it's been amazing. Yeah, amazing and ride. And then I think about you know obviously the title of this podcast is defining hospitality. But how do you define hospitality, and how do you maintain that level of
1: hospitality throughout the growth through this meteoric growth? Yeah, yeah. And no, listen, it's it's a uh, it's a good question, and and you know at the core of it. Uh, hospitality is certainly what you know, we're all about. And I define hospitality. uh, It's the business of caring. You know, ultimately, it's caring for first and foremost, your associates, your employees, uh, your employees caring for your guests uh, and then caring for your developers or your new owners who are who are joining the joining the Sinesta journey. And if you don't have at the core of it, kind of that caring DNA, uh, at least in my opinion, uh, it's really hard to, you know, translate that down through to associates and then associates on to guests and then your developing team onto the developing community. Uh, so at the core of it, I believe caring is really kind of the underlying uh, tenant uh, of hospitality. Um, I appreciate that and that really resonates
0: with me and then so many of the guests that we have on as well. And I'd love to just share with the, with the listeners or watchers, um, I think what, if, we, if I could go back to that moment where we were having that glass of wine at the, at the lodging conference, and to just hear, I mean, I was just so struck and impressed and um, just appreciative of this kind of almost like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity yeah. that happened yeah so during the pandemic during the pandemic so yeah. to obviously to go from 50 to 1200 i think that may be unheard of in our industry yeah um it
1: really was a uh, a remarkable achievement mm-hmm. uh and you know it, if it If it was accomplished outside of a pandemic, uh, it would be noted as a remarkable achievement, but the fact that it was accomplished during the pandemic, uh, you know, really puts a, you know, a a exclamation mark on the effort, Uh, but happy to share a little bit on the journey and, and how it all came to be and how the moons aligned uh, to take this organization from 50 to the eighth largest hotel company in the country. Yeah. Eighth largest hotel company with 16 different brands. Yep. And then
0: actually, I just recently listened to John Murray, his um, conversation with, on Teague Talks. Yes. Uh, from his perspective at S- SVP. SVC. SVC. I'm so yes. sorry. Yeah. Um, so as far as like you two being the two main players. Yep. Like, so walk us through the cliff note version if you will because yeah. i know we're busy and you yeah, got no, sure go
1: ahead sure happy to do it and, and uh you know with with uh you know with any um remarkable uh effort and outcome uh it's really a team right so john certainly is the architect and and i i played a hand in it but it's a team of really good people making really good decisions and strategically you know taking some risks certainly during the pandemic uh, but let me let me to, you know take you back a little bit and take the listeners back a little bit so pre-pandemic the Senesta hotel organization which sits inside of a REIT the REIT is called SVC and and Senesta is 66% owned by the chairman of our company uh, adam Portnoy and the Portnoy family and 34% owned by the REIT and and Senesta pre-pandemic was you know 50 60 hotels or so um, and during the pandemic, the uh, REIT that had relationships with Marriott and IHG and Wyndham and Radisson and many of the brands that we all know today, um, those relationships uh, fell apart during, during, the, during the pandemic. So the REIT, which has 300 hotels in it, Elected to take back the hotels from the brands, Mm -hmm. most notably Marriott and IHG, 100 on the Marriott side, 100 on the IHG side, and put them into their Sinesta brand. And and then I have a question: When when you say it fell apart,
0: is that because they weren't able to pay?
1: yeah, it was the commercial structure. It was the commercial right? structure. So, you know, 2019 was the best year that the hospitality industry has mm-hmm. ever seen, certainly in my 40 years. Um, and 2020 was the worst mm-hmm. right, in 40 years. So when you go from, you know, just in terms of REVPAR and, and, and the strength of the industry, when you go from the highest in 2019 and within 90 days in 2020, you know, by March, you know, the world had uh, been introduced to covid Mm-hmm. And, and the industry collapsed along with many other industries. So when that, you know, pandemic hit the commercial structure, uh, the Marriotts and the IHGs and some of the others, uh, they couldn't comply with the terms of the commercial structure. And usually, in a commercial structure
0: like that, is it very difficult to break away? In most of those contracts or did you guys have did you guys negotiate a different type of
1: contract it it is but uh it was the decision of marriott and ihg uh Mm -hmm. to um you know to not move forward um and without getting you know too deep into the technical and the legalities of it all um let's just say it was the right time for the two parties to separate perfect fortunately the SVC RMR organization, John Murray, Adam Portnoy, they had purchased the Senesta brand many years before, uh, so that in the event that there was a catastrophic event, they actually had a fallback position. Right? Oh, so that was like a, was a strategic buy. Plan for the best, hope for the worst. Yeah, I mean, hope, plan for the worst, hope for yeah. the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hmm. um, so during the pandemic, uh, Sinesta was. Uh, starting to take back these hotels and deflag them as marriotts and deflag them as candlewoods and deflag them as you know residence inns and put them into the family of sinesta brands mm-hmm. sinesta hotels sinesta select sinesta simply suites and sinesta es and then there's royal sinesta and while that was happening i had um, I had left a, a very long career at Wyndham, uh, where I was uh, executive vice president of the Americas for, uh, I was there for 27 years, but, but uh, the, the majority of my time at the tail end was running the Americas. Mm-hmm. And so I'd left and I was running a small hospitality investment firm. Uh, and the Redline Hotel Company, based in Denver a uh, public company uh, pre-pandemic had met with some challenges. Uh, the the uh, leadership had made some decisions uh, that uh, the franchise base didn't respond well to, uh, and the market cap of the company had dropped about 66% in one day. So I uh, uh, was approached uh, to meet with the board, of that public company in denver mm. and uh, i went out to denver a number of times pre-pandemic this is around the december time frame of 2019 december january of 20 um, and met with the board and as i was flying back one day uh, this thing called covid hit and uh, that was march of, of 20. So, uh, you know, there are discussions had stalled because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then while uh, uh, SVC and John Murray and team were taking back these hotels from Marriott and IHG, um, I got the um, uh, inclination to see if I could raise the capital to buy the Redline Hotel company and do a public to private transaction. So while I was at Wyndham as Executive Vice President of the Americas, we had done a deal with SVC. and at the time it was called HBT with John Murray. Mm. and we did a 20 pack of hotels. And that's when I was introduced to John Murray and uh, you know started a relationship, a business relationship. And that was many, many years ago. And so uh, you know, I thought that this would be a great opportunity for Sinesta to potentially buy this Red Lion Hotel company because it's a, it's a 100% franchise platform. And Sinesta, although they were taking back all these hotels from Marriott and HG, they really didn't have franchising as an underlying growth mm-hmm. model. So I reached out uh, to, to John, uh, connected through a friend, and reached out to uh, John and said, uh, hey, you guys are you know, taking back all these hotels Um, You know, I'm kind of on the uh, front line of this opportunity. Uh, We can buy this company. It's public. We'll have to put in a bid on the stock. We'll have to get the shareholders to approve in our favor. But if successful, we can do a couple things. One, we can get Sinesta franchising up very quickly because we can leverage off of the platform. Right, we can leverage off of the existing platform, mm-hmm. operations, legal, finance, IT, because it's all there. It's, it's all platform. there. It's yeah. all there. Although it was, you know, banged up a little bit, you know, pre, pre-pandemic because of some of the decisions. And then, of course, the pandemic um, was also, you know, a challenging time. So, John, uh, liked the thesis, uh, the second uh, um kind of uh, tier to the thesis uh, was around scale. Sinesta is around 50,000 rooms on the owned and managed side, SVC owned and managed side, and RLH, the Red Line Hotel Company, around 50,000 rooms. And so when you bring these two companies together, obviously you get to 100,000 rooms. And having had a front row seat at Wyndham from 1990 to you know my 27 years, that company started with just two hotel companies, Rahman and Howard Johnson, and it is what it is today is one of the largest hotel companies in the world. And, and with Wyndham, do you think that
0: getting to that largest point, what percent of that growth could be attributed to the franchise model? It's 100% franchise. So 100% yeah. because as I'm hearing you talk about you know, franchising really being the under, underlying engine for the growth. Um, I took a, I, I did a program at MIT on entrepreneurship. And there's one of the speakers that came in said, oh, he was talking about the franchise model. And he said, hey, entrepreneurs, for any business that you're in, whether you decide to franchise or not, it, building a platform so that you could make the decision to do it and having all the systems and processes in place, whether you decide to be a franchise or just carry on, it's only good. It's only accretive to, yeah. to what you're doing. Yeah. Um, from your experience, I've just read so many times, but like, are, is franchising really the the fastest way
1: to grow and 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 get that scale? Well, I'm a little biased. Um, I'm a 40 year uh, primarily franchise uh, growth uh, executive, um, but objectively, um, I would say that it is for a number of reasons. One, you're using other. Folks' capital. You're mm-hmm. using other individuals' capital, right? To pour, put more dots on the map. Uh, it's a very elegant business because it's really a fee-for-service business. You just take a percentage of the gross. Your employed the, the employees of the property, are not your employees, right? The the capital requirements um, at the asset are not your obligations. Um, you know the the underlying capital structure and the debt lenders, you know, none of that's your obligation. You just take a percentage of the top line and your obligation is really to drive revenue to the property. And then the other support and training, quality assurance, um, global sales, those types of things. So when you're looking to scale a business at a rapid pace, it is the most elegant way to do it. Um, and. The margins on the franchise business are uh, extremely strong. The flow through on the franchise business is, is really, really impressive. What happens is, is once you build that underlying platform, everything that comes to the top line after your base expense is covered, it flows right to the bottom line. So just by way of example, if I have 100 employees today and I have 900 franchises, I could add 50 more franchises and only add one more body. Wow. Right. Because I just need somebody in the field from a support standpoint. But all the infrastructure is in place. I mean, that's the true definition of scale, right? Low
0: lowering operating and operating costs in proportion to net profit.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then hmm. your existing base of properties for every increase in REVPAR, there is no incremental expense, right? It goes 100% to the bottom line. So wow. the combination of more dots and Revpar, you know, that drives a huge margin to the bottom line. And so the unique aspect about Senesta today mm-hmm. is that now we have a franchise model, we have a management model, and then we have an ownership structure and then SVC um, and Senesta strategically can acquire hotels. Uh, So we'll look to acquire hotels in cities that we don't have a presence for Royal Sonesta. Mm -hmm. So it'll be in LA, as an example, where we are today, or Miami Beach, Um, we're actively looking to, to acquire hotels. So the Sonesta, the new Sonesta, the new Sonesta Enterprise is really different than, again, by comparison, Wyndham, which is a pure asset light play, global asset light play where we will always have uh, assets in in the Sinesta organization because of our close relationship with SVC. Great. And then, so with all those dots on the map, as far as the franchisees,
0: um, what's the benefit to someone who owns a hotel to change flags to Sinesta? or just like to talk to you guys about, hey, I'd love to know about this franchise model. What? So it's I, I hear it's good for you as the operating company, yep. but why is it a? How do you define the win-win for the
1: franchisee and and your team? Yep. So just back to the um, just back to the acquisition on RLH. Mm-hmm. So once uh, John Murray and uh, Adam Portnoy um, uh, approved the potential purchase for RLH, we made a bid. Ultimately, we were successful, and in March of 2021, we acquired the RLH business uh, and took it private from public. Mm -hmm. The next day, we we took it private. I went out to Denver, uh, and for the course of 2021. Um, you know, kind of stabilize the business, work with our existing franchisee base of approximately 900 hotels, uh, and then very quickly got the franchise documents in place for Senesta. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when we chatted. So in September of 21, we were already registered to sell franchises for for the Senesta brands. Um, it'll it'll lead back to the answer to your question. Uh, so we really weren't. Uh, selling Sinesta franchises until September of 21, oh. and by the time we ended 2021, we had one Sinesta franchise. That you sold a new one that we sold okay. uh, and open, open and operating. So here we sit today, and if we look at 2022, which was our first full calendar year of franchise development. Here we have uh, 58 or 57 open and operating Senesta franchises. Wow. Right. So in one calendar year. Right. So then the question is, well, why would someone come to you versus staying in their existing franchise affiliation? And what's the what's the appeal and what's what's the value proposition? And, and it, it there are a number. Um, But, you know, just to kind of tie it back to the opening question about what is hospitality and and, you know, caring and caring for your franchisees is an absolutely critical piece to the franchise equation because there are customers, our franchisees are our customers, the consumer is their customer and they pay us to market to the consumer to drive them to the hotel. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we have to realize that the franchisee is the one that's paying the the fees into the organization, which pays the payroll and and, and the salaries and everything else. So, having a culture of caring for our franchisees um, is a bit of a point of difference. Now, most hotel companies will say that they have that. The question is are they really delivering on it? And have they gotten to a place where they've lost sight of it, maybe because of the size or the scale? The other aspect is that we're owners and operators, right? We have 8,000 employees, give or take, um, right? We have 50,000 hotel rooms. You know, so when we think about asking a franchisee to do a quality improvement, we have to ask ourselves first. Right. Mm. And that gives franchisees a comfort level because they then know that they're not gonna be asked to do things that don't really give a return to them. Mm. Because first we have to ask ourselves and we, we manage now two hundred and twenty hotels. That's cool own and manage. Right. So and so you can imagine that the capital commitment that we would have to make if we agree with that product improvement plan or that quality assurance or that new standard. Mm -hmm. So that's a that's a built in uh, it's like a built in governor, right, which many companies don't have today. You know, many of the hotel companies that you see out there today, many of the big brands, they're all asset light. They do not own, oh, yeah, they do not own hotels, right? They've spun them all out. Yeah. Now there might be some pockets here and there, but in the main, they're asset light. Hmm. So we're 900 franchises, you know, 220, 30 um, uh, managed and owned hotels. Um, so uh, And then I would say lastly, in markets where there's opportunity, what you will find most of the time is that there's every Marriott brand, there's every IHG brand. There's probably every Wyndham brand. There's probably every Choice brand. So if you want to go into that marketplace, or if you want to stand alone outside of the sea of that that brand, there you have to look for another option. Mm. And we're a we're a we are a good alternative option. And we're not public, right? The Reed is public. SVC is public. We're we're a private. Sinesta is a, a private a private company and so you know we have obligations uh that we impose on ourselves to achieve and grow uh, but we're not held to quarterly you know growth objectives to hit our quarterly earnings to get to the street although oh, you'd probably blowing them. Them, uh, blowing them out of the water right now uh we did in 22. yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah we
0: did in 22. um yeah. so i'm curious like being a, a fan of empathy and so much of this Defining hospitality is like how how it makes you feel, how you make others feel. This you know the DNA of uh, of caring, as you said. Yeah. So with the explosive growth that you're having with your just your overall business model, how do you scale that caring part of the DNA as well? Did you build infrastructure? Um, how do you create accountability and measure that? Is
1: there a way to do it? Like how do you distribute it? across all of your growth yeah so it's uh it's certainly gotten uh it's gotten to be a bit more difficult in our post uh covid uh remote work uh zoom meetings Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day it's it's about the culture. Right. And when you're not sitting in the office every day with your teams, it is I, I have found it harder to deliver the culture and stylistically to have people kind of, you know, move in the same direction that you believe in. Um, but it all starts with picking the right people on your team. Mm-hmm. You know, and they've got the same beliefs and the same passion, the same understanding at the core of it, particularly for the franchisees, understanding that they're our customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that. Sometimes is lost on folks, because you know they think that you no, know, the customer is the person who walks through front door and pays for the room, right? But but ultimately, you know, for a franchisor, the customer is the franchisee, and so you have to really have that. You have to understand and believe that that's the that's kind of the um, core to the franchising model. And if you do, then, you know, delivering that caring attitude all the time. So it is scalable. Um, It is it is uh, it is something that you can achieve. I do find it a little bit more difficult, though, in a remote environment. It's just hard now. All of our, you know, many of our employees are are remote, whereas, you know, Years ago, you know, everyone was in the office and, you know, you could build the energy and, you know, you could, you could get, you know, the commitment from everybody and you could see across the table, you know, who's in and who's out, you mm. know, who's going who's gonna to make the run and who's not going to make the run. Um, but then also like internally with your team, you, you, know, you
0: have a bit more control over who you're hiring and you can really hire for culture. Yeah. Because skills can always be taught, right? Yep. Yep. And obviously, you're probably getting pulling people who have those skills, but it's really the culture is the most important part. Do you, do you have that kind of screening for culture with your fran- potential franchisees as well, like whether they would fit with this caring DNA?
1: Uh, I would say yes and no. That's a little bit more challenging because it's once again at another arm's length distance. Yeah. Um, You know, what you what you attempt to do is uh, when you look at an opportunity, you really look at a number of things, but most notably two things, the sponsor, meaning the owner and then the asset. Yeah. Right. And, you know the asset is it the right quality you know the conversation we had in the elevator is it the right property for the right brand is it the right asset that fits into Sinesta select is it the right asset that fits into Sinesta hotel and if you get through that then you know you really start to um kind of peel back the ownership Mm. you know and is the ownership and is the sponsor are they the right individuals do they have the right intentions you know, do they have the right capital? Yeah. Um, do they? You know, what's what's their history? Um, but in many cases, the folks that we're speaking to, they've got multiple hotels. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've proven themselves over and over again as entrepreneurs and as successful individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, adding another hotel into their portfolio of ten or eleven or. You know, we, we still do some, you know, one and two, you know, single, single, uh, particularly in the economy side and our ABVI mm-hmm. brand. Uh, but when it comes to the Senesta portfolio, they're usually more sophisticated, in some case institutional owners. So and of the top eight hotel companies,
0: right, where you're yep. now the eighth largest. Yeah. And then if you look at all the brands within those eight companies, I mean, it's gotta be a hundred. Oh yeah, hundred more. How do you? How do you guys at Sinesta differentiate yourself to give that you know alternate option, as you said before?
1: Yeah, yeah. Listen, it's it's amazing what's occurred over the course of the last forty years. And you know, number one, the consolidation in the industry, but then of course the brands creating their own brands. And and you know, there's the number of brands that each one of the top six or eight companies have. Uh, so it is. It is becoming uh, more challenging uh, because we, as industry leaders, and certainly the the developers, um, we've really cut the segments. You know, when I first started, there was probably you know six segments: economy, you know, mid, yeah. you know, mid without food and beverage, you know, upscale, upper upscale, luxury, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Now, if you, you know, it's you a look spectrum. at it, yeah, and so you know, we've really. Cut the segmentation, um, you know, in 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 uh, more parts. Um, how we really try to find a point of difference is back to some of the things that we touched on. If there's a property that uh, is in a marketplace, it's it's likely there's a lot of Marriott rooms. So when you go to that central res system, you're going to be one of many Marriott properties. We have. 220 uh, managed properties and 55 franchise properties just on the Sinesta side. Mm. So that's a lot of white space for us to grow in the U.S., just in the U.S., right? In North America. And, um, you know, as we were chatting, I I just completed a trip uh, back from Latin America uh, and then just completed, uh, back uh, Friday of, of last week, uh, a trip from Egypt. Amazing. Yeah, where we have presence in, in both uh, both countries. And uh, in Latin America, we have a master developer called GHL out of Colombia, and they have an exclusive to sell, franchise, our, our Sinesta brands and a couple of our, our RLH portfolio brands, Red Lion, in Colombia, in Peru, in Chile, in Ecuador. Mm. And then in Egypt, uh, we have three hotels, one in Cairo, one in Aswan, one in Luxor, and six Nile River cruise boats. Um, so from a, from a growth opportunity standpoint, the Americas are now set. You know, we're registered to sell 16 brands from a franchising standpoint, um, you know, from Mexico to Canada. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, rest of world opportunity, uh, the Senesta name and, and, uh, the red lion brand name, uh, plenty of opportunities for us to grow around the world. So we'll continue to remain focused on the Americas mm. for opportunities where there is a lot of white space, but the rest of the world will hold us, will hold many more opportunities for us as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, as you think
0: about Growth and kind of starting with a pretty much a clean slate with a thousand hotels or nine hundred yep. hotels. <clears throat> are are you creating any initiatives to help the guest or potential guests to book directly through you guys, or are you guys trying to control that direct to consumer, or is it is it an opportunity to be more direct to consumer than rather through OTAs and yeah. and all those other margin eating
1: endeavors? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that uh, ultimately the goal is to drive consumers to your brand.com. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that way you're not running through the OTAs and, and paying the commission. Um, but the OTAs are very powerful uh, drivers of business. Yeah. And um, that's where the scale comes in, right? Because if you have scale, you can go back to the OTAs. And let's just say by way of example, you were paying 20% or 22%. With scale, you can go back and you can renegotiate those agreements mm-hmm. and get it down to 16 or 15.5, right? That's Yeah, and so as you get the OTAs lower and lower on a commission basis, then they just become another uh, channel mm. for production at a reasonable commission, just like a travel agency. A travel agency is ten percent. So, um, but in the end, you, what you really want to do is you want to build up your loyalty base through your loyalty uh, club and travel pass is our loyalty club, and then utilize your loyalty to drive consumers to your website because you can only give, you can only get points, and we only give points. If you book through brand.com right and that's really how the majors have been able to kind of take back the customer base from the otas Mm. because you can only get points if you book directly with the brand and we'll follow the same path yeah i've also found that
0: if i sometimes i'm in a pinch i I usually like booking directly through the brand because usually i get a better room um you know i'm not on the second floor next to the dumpster yeah um But I also think it's a it's a missed opportunity for many brands when someone does book through an OTA to kind of wow them to not put them in that less desirable room and try and change their hearts and minds to book directly through them. Have you guys have you
1: seen that in your in your journey at all? No, um, that's uh, I'm I'm surprised that that's been your experience, because typically what happens is you just provide inventory and, you know. Like we would never provide inventory by the dumpster, right? right? So we want to give a caring experience to all of our guests, whether they come through OTAs or not. But look, the OTAs, uh, you know, between Expedia and Booking and Priceline, I go to, you know, they are powerful, powerful marketing machines, and they will continue to drive, you know, consumer eyeballs uh, to their sites. Um, You know, if you look at the market cap of the top four hotel companies, Priceline alone is a larger market cap than the top four hotel companies. So when you put that in perspective, scale, what does it mean in terms of marketing dollars, right? Um, So you have to really find a way to... To partner mm-hmm. uh, and and balance the relationship uh, between the OTAs, and so you know we're working on those um, you know those types of um, structures as well. Okay. Yeah. And then, at what point in your career, in your career journey, did you? Or did the hospitality industry put its hooks in you? How did you know uh, yes. this is you? Yeah. So I really didn't have uh, much of a choice. My my dad was the publisher of Lodging Hospitality for 25 years. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we were going to the New York Hotel Show at that time. It was in, uh, I think, November and it was at the Coliseum in New York City. Oh, yeah. Right. What's there now? The Mandarin Oriental and yeah. or Time Warner Centers. Yeah. In, down uh, in Central Park. Columbus Circle. Yeah. Columbus Circle. Yeah. Exactly. So I can remember uh you know, probably at the age of seven, eight years old, you know, going to the food vendors and thought this was the greatest thing, you know, you can go to a you can go to a trade show and just eat you know, eat with the food vendors. Um, But, you know, getting out of high school, not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do. You know, my dad said, look, why don't you try hospitality? Because it has just so many uh, unique aspects in terms of paths you can take. You can go in finance. You can go in development. You can go in marketing. You can go in sales. You can go in operations. It just goes on and on Mm -hmm. and on, right? Because it is a business. And it affords you travel, you know, and um, and if you like people and you're a people person, you're social, then you probably find it'll be a good fit. So I did go right off into hospitality school and. And then got out of uh got out of hospitality college and went right into the waldorf astoria um, and uh, did my did my uh you know my on-site operations uh work at the waldorf astoria and then i had an opportunity to jump out of the property level into corporate um, ironically because it's taken me full circle in my my career um, to go to boston and start a hotel company called hawthorne suites with a guy by the name of Joe McInerney. And Joe McInerney is a longtime hotel guy, Sheridan, Sheridan ITT, ITT Sheridan, uh, president of H in LA at one point in time. And, um, so he uh he uh said to my father yeah you know send them up and you know back then there was no internet and uh it was a franchise company and and uh you know when you sent out your franchise offering circulars they were paper and they're very big documents and so i managed the uh, mailroom uh, for the franchise offering circulars in 1986. And ironically, uh, you know, the RMR SVC Sinesta organization uh, is based in Newton, uh, which is just a, you know, a, a stone's throw away from where our offices were on 131 State Street in Boston. So 40 years later, I'm, I'm back in Boston uh, slinging franchises again. Wow. Full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one
0: question I, I really enjoy asking everyone um, it's kind of a time machine question. So, if you the Keith I'm talking to right now appeared at Columbus Circle in front of your 7-year-old self, what advice do you do you give yourself?
1: Uh well, wow. that's a that's a deep question. <laughs> <laughs> uh I would say that uh, you know, uh, believe that you can accomplish things greater than perhaps you thought. Right? Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that you know you could pull off a hundred million dollar acquisition of a of a franchise company during a pandemic? You know, um, and we did it without ever leaving our home offices amazing. Yeah. You know, who would have thought that you could, you know, with a great team of people, you know, build a hotel organization that's that pre-pandemic was small and relatively um, unknown, at least in the eyes of the, the industry from a broader standpoint. To then come out of a pandemic and wake up um, to be recognized, you know, across the industry as a serious player and a competitor—it's just unheard of. Twenty-four months, you know, it's wild. Yeah. It's, and I guess,
0: and I think, having met you recently and just experiencing you, I think it's—you know—I get the feeling that you're you're always open to any and all opportunities.
1: Well, it was a—it was certainly a uh, a big. Uh, uh, awareness builder for me that, that you know, something like this could be accomplished and you know, during that time, it's you a, know, it's a big way. I yeah. mean, you were, you caught a big whale. It's amazing. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we did. And we it's, did. Uh, and I know you said the moon's aligned, but I think it's like in this instance, it's really the solar system aligned <laughs> yeah. and it's just yeah. so impressive. And I, I just love hearing about it. And I love your your insights, yeah. To no, it. Thanks, thanks for and I think it's really important to share this story too because I think if you know people listening, I think that this will act as an inspiration to them and fuel
1: for them to you know shoot for the stars. Yeah, yeah. Look, there's great opportunities out there. Um, you know, every day you just have to get up and you have to believe. And uh, <clears throat> some days are good days. Some days are setbacks. Uh, some days are bad days. Um, but if you believe that there's an opportunity there, you know, just keep on pushing. Uh, you know, through the process of trying to raise the capital to, to buy the Red Lion Hotel Company, I had, you know, probably 20 no's before I got one yes from John Murray. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. A surprising. It was 20. I, I would think it would be more like 100. Yeah, it was a lot of no's.
1: Right. It was a lot of no's. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. It was hard to get people to to focus and get the capital, and certainly during a pandemic, you know, because again, you couldn't. You really just couldn't get to their offices and sit with them. And, you know, um, it's one thing to have a conversation over Zoom and, you know, run through the models and, um, you know, the thesis. It's another thing to sit in front of them and, you know, give them that kind of, you know, uh, visual belief. Yeah, you You have to sell the vision and paint that really clear picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, It had it not been a pandemic. That organization would have been acquired by another company, but because of the pandemic, all of the companies were playing uh, defense, Mm. except for SVC. Yeah, and I know there's been a couple who've been on the offense,
0: and they're really good stories. It's that you know that abundant mindset, right?
1: Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the minute we came out of the pandemic, you know, just by way of example, in in uh, 2021 uh the underwriting model to acquire the company we were very conservative because when we did the underwriting model it was during a pandemic and we didn't know that you know by the time you got to memorial day certainly in the us even though everyone was masked up and people were still getting sick the uh population wanted to travel Mm. and so by the time memorial day of 21 came around the performance went off the charts particularly for secondary locations where we have a lot of them on the highways the economy hotels And uh, so our 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 underwriting model, um, we just blew it out of the water right? because performance took off and we wrote it. We wrote it to flat to 20, which was the worst year ever. Right. Wow. And so here we are, you know, what, two and a half years later. And now we're, you know, getting back to 19 levels in some cases surpassed. Yeah.
0: It's that, you know, it's that S curve you always read about. Right. You're, You're investing, investing. You dip. But then once everything comes back, you're outperforming. Yeah. Yeah. This one was a hockey stick almost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I forget the S-curve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you're always skeptical of that when you see the hockey sticks, Yeah, yeah. but uh, it's such an amazing story. And I thank you. One other thing I wanted to introduce, um, you, you've heard of this chat, open AI or chat GPT, the open AI thing where you A ask little bit. Yeah. So I asked it a question. I said, what question should I ask you? Oh, okay. And uh, this. AI said, "How does Sinesta ensure that its properties maintain high standards of service and guest experience?" That's from a computer, not me. Wow,
1: that's a good question um, from a computer. So, a couple things: uh, we own and manage 220 hotels, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, we, as an example, from a capital improvement standpoint, we'll put in SVC. We'll put in 600 million dollars in capital into our managed estate, right, to continue to bring up the quality of the property in terms of its FF&E and its experience and, and, and you know, all things furnishings. Mm-hmm. Um, our managed team, uh, led by uh, Vera and team, exceptional team, and will continue to drive the, the consumer experience. That's on the, call it the owned and managed estate. On the franchise estate, you know, a little different because as we discussed earlier, you know, we don't. We're obligated to drive to the top line performance uh, and and certainly ensure that the quality is there for the for the guest Mm. through quality assurance, through training, uh, through, um, uh, you know, uh, 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 social media reviews, TripAdvisor reviews, those types of things. Right. So to keep to keep uh, in check with the quality of the properties. So, that's a core competency of a franchisor. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to have the ability to ensure your franchisees are delivering on the, and the experience, both on the service side as well as the quality side. We have an entire field organization. Their you know, responsibility, in addition to the top line, mm-hmm. is to ensure that the quality is there and the experience is there. It does get tricky, though, when you scale. You know, when you have yeah. 900 hotels or 6,000 hotels or 7,000 hotels, because to get enough human capital to deal with that level of scale is a little tricky, right? So, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, time, um, utilizing uh, technology has, has has really started to play a role, um, you know, being able to do virtual quality assurance inspections versus Mm-hmm. personal quality insurance inspections, being able to use the social media right and all the, all the social uh, tools. Because guests will let properties know when they have a bad experience. Yeah. They let the property know when they have a good experience, but more so when they have a bad experience, right. Yeah. And so when you start to see those you know bad customer reviews, you can really narrow in on properties and bad behavior. Cool. Yeah. So, there's tools in place to ensure that there's a good experience. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, last question.
0: As you look at coming where you are now and your trajectory,
1: what's exciting you most about the future? I'd say global expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having had the opportunity in 22, and then certainly just a little bit into this year, um, to spend time in Latin America to see the product there. Uh, just returning back from Egypt to see the product there. The Senesta name, the Red Lion name, those brand names will resonate around the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's plenty of space for us to grow here in the Americas. Um, but, you know, establishing the Sinesta present presence in key strategic um, uh, markets and countries around the world. Uh, for me personally, I think that that will be a a rewarding step in the journey um, to be able to spend a little bit more time uh, internationally and globally growing the brand, grow, growing the brand. I did that for a little bit on the on the Wyndham business. Um, my primary responsibility in Wyndham was the Americas, uh, but I was fortunate enough to spend time in China and Latin America and EMEA. So we can do the same here with Senesta.
0: Wow, it's so exciting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well. I, I speak for myself and all of our listeners thank you for your time I know yeah, how busy thanks. we're at Alice and I know you're yeah we're you're to, swinging
1: for the fences so we're we having a lot of meetings today so we'll take advantage of our time here together and with all our fellow industry uh, folks so thanks for the time really appreciate it no I appreciate yeah. your time as well and thank you to our listeners without you um,
0: we wouldn't be doing this so we keep growing every week if this changed your idea on hospitality giving receiving growing, Uh, Please pass it along. Um, We're growing all by word of mouth, so thank you all very much.